expect us to talk? Well, it'd be a weird podcast if we didn't. <laughs> Hello and welcome to another edition of the Capiche Filmcast. Did I get that quote right? I know yeah, that... one of us was meant to say, <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Barry, I expect you to die. Well, yeah, I was, I was ex- actually not expecting you to answer, so it would have messed me up. Uh, yeah, hello Might and welcome. I know. <laughs> yeah, it's a really dark turn for this one. Uh, hello and welcome to another edition of the Capiche Filmcast. Stephen Barry here, joined by my three fellow double O agents uh, for the third James Bond film in our new Bond Daft series. The uh, film is Goldfinger, of course. And my three double O agents, I haven't come up with an interesting creative script, so Steve McCall. I will give an interesting, equally interesting as a result. <laughs> Hello. Good evening. Perfect. Fantastic. Gordon Webster. Hello, Steve-O. <laughs> there, well, there we go. Uh, not as formal as your usual, uh, Mr. Barry as usually. Um, yeah, yeah and, I'm mixing it up a wee bit. And of course, Francis Franco Murphy. Yo, yo, yo. <laughs> ah yes the trademark yo 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 <laughs> uh yep so we are here uh th- film number three i'll let you gordon again uh set us up on this one what's 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 happening in this film sean connery of course in the main role yeah is returning as bond this film is obviously what, a seminal film in the whole leg the legacy of the bond franchise yeah, that's a great way of putting it. So Sean back for his third outing. So we've done Doctor No from Rush With Love and I think this is the big one. This is one of the most iconic Bond films. If you ever see a list of, you know, the greatest 100 films of all time, I mean, quite often you'll, you'll find this could well be in it. This is one of the... For me, for me, it's one of the go-to Bond films. For a lot of people, it's one of the, the go-to Bond films. And this is, so, we had a couple of quite straightforward action thrillers, Doctor Known from Rush With Love and great films. This is where, I mean, this is the big one. This is where it gets a bit more lighthearted, a bit more humour. The gadgets are getting pushed a bit. Um, it's, a like I said before, a bit of swagger about it. And it was gonna just appear appeal to a bigger audience i suppose it's the first time we get there's a lot of things i like without spoiling it too much like the first um time there's a kind of humorous scene between bond and q i know that's just a, a small part of the film but oh it's, it's amazing i can't wait to to see that part again who is it directs this one do you know do you know oh yeah so this is another thing this, this is something is, we keep forgetting to mention the director yeah. of the last two films <laughs> the bond crease stayed largely the same but they did mix up the directors a fair bit so we've got guy hamilton i think he did four bond films in the end did he, and... he directed the most didn't he he might have, no not quite I think the most was John Glenn in the ah, 80s right, okay. but um, Guy Hamilton I would say he had a bit more of a flamboyant style I think this is a bit more of a flamboyant film and it's just you know it's got a couple of characters that kind of the, the average layman Bond fan in the street the casual Bond fan would probably know you've got Oddjob Goldfinger Pussy Gore you know who sniggered there <laughs> it was it was me what age are you <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> 33. So these are the sort of like um, Bondian characters that you're, you're, if you're painting your own film poster, you would you would know what they looked like. I love the idea of doing that. Can we do that as a podcast activity? Well, a poster competition? Yeah, paint our own versions of a Bond poster. Well, I was wanting to have as the picture art for the podcast, the sort of caricatured versions of us and the James Bond characters of each film. But uh, I'd never get around to it, you know, having a day job and all that. 
Something I wouldn't know about. Mm, yeah, <laughs> Francis, I've tasked you with seeing as though you do have plenty of time and it's never came to anything. Well, we're all, like we said before, we're all bonded by bond, different oh, um, is that your Is that your way to try and get bonded by bonding again? <laughs> I think that was... Oh, no, that was my, my title. I forgot what. I, I think but, it might have been your Steve. I hope we don't change it. We're fairly settled in bond after. Oh, I've, I've called, I've oh, called the, the files. We are daft. Bond daft. We can't daft. change now. No, they can't change the files. Yeah. No. <laughs> um, see, I just don't want people to see four guys going into a house together regularly in a group called Bonded by Bond because it just feels like <laughs> something yeah. else. And that was why I think um, I said, oh, that's good. And I thought, now, why would we bond after? I thought, nah, maybe maybe not. Oh, I see why you uh, vetoed my total bondage option then. <laughs> I don't remember that, that but either you worried about saying it or uh, something it was like that. a license to talk and oh, yeah. <laughs> well it all depends on who's saying you, do you want to do total bondage that's the thing <laughs> anyways back to the film uh, Goldfinger well, yeah we will um, run through like, a brief sort of synopsis of the film as well yeah yeah so what 19, uh, 1964 this film was released what's the uh, the main setup here yeah 1964 and more of a sort of grandiose plot in this one more of a sort of like super villain um one of the quite quite a shrewd decision they they decided on when making this film with the involvement of spectre in the first two films there was a slight deviation so for this film spectre's forgotten about and it's more just a a sort of multi-millionaire character doing a few dodgy things causing a bit of trouble so the premise is that um the bank of england are convinced there's large quantities of gold getting um, smuggled. They suspect a chap called or a Goldfinger, who's who's like multiple business enterprises, but they don't. They're convinced that he's illegally smuggling gold, and they're not they're not sure how he's doing it. They can't understand how he's managing to do it. So they enlist the help of of MI6, SIS, whoever, and who who give this assignment to James Bond to investigate this character or at Goldfinger and it turns out what he's doing smuggling gold is actually it's part of something bigger and much more sinister that we will get to later on after watching the film I like the fact that he's called Goldfinger as well mm. you know when he's smuggling gold so that's actually his name yeah or at Goldfinger does it so he doesn't have a, a like a normal surname like Smith, like his actual name is Goldfinger. Yeah, and he loves gold, and that's part of the theme of the film. He's a he's a very greedy guy, and everything, you know, he's kind of. I suppose even the fact he's um, quite Gert Frobe, the actor, quite a big guy, but overweight. Um, so maybe greedy in that in those terms. But everything, like wears a gold waistcoat. His car, the Rolls Royces, are gold. Um, he's not hiding of. it very well, is he? <laughs> it's quite. It's, it's lucky gold. he wasn't smuggling guns or something. Gunfinger. I know. <laughs> Anyway, of course, um, of course it was, and the other thing I was going to mention is it was taken from, there was a Fleming novel, Goldfinger, unlike the first two films we did the last um, few weeks, uh, it's a bit of a deviation from the book, um, and which we'll go into a bit later on, but Goldfinger's the name of the book, the character Goldfinger is in the book. Alright then, I'm looking forward to this one. Uh, it's been a while since I've seen this film. I think I've only seen it once really and it was when I did my sort of Bond uh, I'd been introduced to Bond as I've spoken through a certain film that was released in the mid-90s. I'm not going to say it again because I'm always talking about it. But um, yeah, I had then 
got all the films out on videotape and watched them and this was one of the first ones I went to and I do remember enjoying it so I'm looking forward to revisiting it uh, must be about 20 years later so yeah I think we've uh, we've kind of covered the setup here now we're going to go and watch the film eat some uh, cookies and uh, yeah we'll be back shortly Okay then, and we're back. Um, let's just uh, quickly get the, uh, the the tech stuff out of the way. We are using different uh, mics, I suppose. Uh, me, this is on me. I did not uh, put the automatic updates on my laptop off once again, and it's taken the uh, it's decided to surprise me um, after the film and update. So now, in fairness, who turns the automatic updates yeah. off? This this isn't on you. This is entirely well, just, on Windows. It's Bill Gates. I, Sorry, I do. Yeah. <laughs> and it, yeah, but this happened before uh, we lost content and Fran did warn me turn them off so uh, apologies guys well, although we got to... close to doing it we almost did it today and then we got distracted but while we were fixing the equipment I'm yeah. still blaming Bill it's just a Q branch equipment failure which does happen from time to time <laughs> when you're out in the field you know what it is, is though, as Q always says Pay close attention, 007. And just like Bond, of course, you guys were inventive with coming up with a solution, and here we are recording, and hopefully this sounds um, pretty decent. You know, maybe a drop slight, but we'll get through it. The guys oh. are here, that's the main thing. Yeah. Anyways, the main thing is... are here. We've now watched Goldfinger, Bond number three. Oh, well, I really enjoyed it. Let's, uh, let's start with Steve. You're, it's your first time seeing the film, isn't it? It... I think so. There were elements of that film that looked familiar that made me think, have I seen this or bits of this before? But for the most part, I, I don't remember seeing it the whole way through. Steve, so that, was the, that was the intro. Well, just the first 30 seconds. Yeah. Did, I just, yeah. did I just go, nah, it's off with something. No, definitely. Just, I don't, there's, there's parts of like the stud farm that looked familiar. But for the most part, yeah, that was my first time. As far as I'm concerned, that was my first time seeing it from start to finish. I think of the three so far, anyway, that's my favourite. I really enjoyed that. It was fast-paced, there was lots going on. There weren't any scenes that dragged, which the, the last couple of films have had, not massive parts, but there's parts that you've thought to yourself, why does this need to be here? This feels a little bit elongated. That yeah. felt, everything in that film felt necessary. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I would say so. And it was, for me, again, a similar experience in that it was, most of it was all very fresh. A lot of it um, I didn't remember, especially the plot, which we'll get into. Um uh, but overall, I really enjoyed it. it. This film, you've Gordon to borrow what you've described as, it's got a swagger. This film, and it, it's an event film in a sense, and you can see why other films have taken the style of Goldfinger uh, and, and 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 ran with it. You guys as well, Gordon. Of course, we know your thoughts. This is you know your how many times this is about the thousandth and eighth, maybe. Yes, it's got getting to the point where. I'm actually running out of things to say because I've seen it too much and it's like it's getting to the point I'm going to start hating the film if I don't think that's possible I've seen it that much but yeah I enjoyed I mean, that and what I enjoyed most was like every time they said the word pussy you, you guys you're, <laughs> you're trying not to laugh you know yeah. we're suddenly four years old yeah, yeah. I know but uh, yeah like you said it's more of an event film a real change in the formula and the, you know the establishment of of um, a lot of just stylistic changes, like we said, more more of a, a swagger. And um, the James Bond um, universe is like a tree with many different branches. There's different 
uh, you know, styles of villains and plots. So in this one, it was it was a villain who is motivated pretty much purely by greed. It's not like you know Alec Trevelyan who's trying to get back the British government, Spectre trying to start World War Three, or a Goldfinger's a guy he's already got all the money in the world, but he's still greedy and he wants to dominate the gold market. And the, in the book, of course, there was just a straight heist from Fort Knox where he just steals a bunch of gold. But um, one of the changes to make it more cinematic and maybe make it make, make a bit more sense, I suppose, is and it's quite a, a, a clever idea. I don't know if it's physically possible, but he actually makes the entire gold supply of the United States radioactive. So he gets to... So like the price of his gold goes up, I think. Um, so An elaborate plan. We'll go into the details of that plan a bit <clears> later because <throat> I feel like we need to really focus on that. Some of that but, is... That well, being yeah. said, there is science behind this because gold is produced under extreme pressure, usually in something like, say, a supernova or a neutron star. So a nuclear bomb wouldn't destroy the gold, even if it hit the gold at full force. As far as I'm aware, it would just... Contaminate the gold. Yeah, that's that's yeah, that's the sort of premise of it. They're trying so that it's contaminated for fifty years. So um, I think the the idea is that is that gold fingers the price goes up in his. So yeah, uh, yeah, it's yeah. Like it's, there's a lot of gold in the film. It's you know, like I said, the the gold and on Goldfinger's car and his car was I don't know. Um, it wasn't immediately obvious to me when I first saw it. Mind you, I was about five or six when I first saw the film, but the gold was getting smuggled from country to country and just using the bodywork of his Rolls Royce. And I, I still think now, how how is that possible? It's just a car. How how can it be used to smuggle all this gold? But it's, it's interesting. Fran, you, what was your general thoughts on the film? I thought it was an excellent movie. I think it was, well, my description was... Um, a quint. Sorry, Gordon's spat out his drink, laughing at his own notes. No, no, it's not. It's one of Steve's notes. Sorry. Steve McCall. <laughs> we've got to, we've got to, we've got to see here that this note is. Which what one is of you? I can't see it. <laughs> Talk about it. Oh, that's him. He's a giggler. He's, we've not, he's gone. We'll we'll go through all my notes. So we'll come to it. the point that you hear Gordon completely lose it. We've, we've come across okay. the one that. It's okay, it's fine. Yeah, I described it as the quintessential, a quintessential Bond film, but. I I think it's because it's the first one where the all the elements that would make an event bond movie have come together into focus for the first time basically um that being said i do think that there is still the uncomfortable note of it being a film from a different time yes that occasionally has as i've said probably on every one of these podcasts it pulls me out the movie for a minute and I think, oh, that's not something that... Yeah, we'll get definitely yeah. get onto that. Right. I know which um, scene you're but, I mean, that's, talking about. That's yeah. my only criticism, really. Uh, I mean, I think the silliness of it, there was silliness at certain points, the story didn't make sense, like the, the most elaborate meeting ever for people who oh, were all going to be killed. Well, we're going we're gonna to get um, into that. Oh, yes. <laughs> you know, it, it just... Unbelievable, you know? Uh, uh, yeah. But, but, that, I, but I enjoyed that as well because that's part of a Bond film, too, isn't it? I mean, that's, that's, that's part of the enjoyment of a Bond movie is that it is... Completely mad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. What do you make of the car? The, Aston, the famous Aston Martin DB5. Yeah, like that's one of the, is this is its first real introduction, isn't it? Yeah, I'll tell you a couple of funny DB5 stories. First of all, back when the film came out, um, Corgi Classics that did the model cars did a a little model of the Aston Martin DB5, which my dad had a model of, and it was actually painted gold on like the silver one in the film. It is a little working ejector seat, and this was back in the nineteen sixties, and uh, of course. 
and we got hold of it when we were little kids and uh, <laughs> the ejector seat guy went, you know, flying to the other side of the room and <laughs> you never saw him again, you know. Oh my God. So, you know, he, and my dad was pretty pissed off about that. You know? <laughs> That's, that would probably be worth a fortune today if it had yeah. the ejector seat an original little man. Uh, yeah, my brother got the later one. <laughs> of course, same thing happened with that, you know. <laughs> uh, the later one from the 1990s. And there's a James Bond exhibition in Glasgow and uh, I remember that there was a rep. Well, it was one of the time there was several different Aston Martin DB5s used in the film, and uh, there was this was an amazing exhibition you'll never see again. It was only on for about two weeks, and it was in uh, one of the buildings in Sucky Hall Street. And it's like the sort of like not a fence, but the sort of you know at hotels you get this kind of like these metal posts with rope to kind of barricade people so they don't like touch it or whatever. Um, I think I accidentally knocked one of the, the barricades and it went kind of flying to the ground when we were admiring this DB5 that was used in the film and I like, almost cracked the headlight of the car, just <laughs> missed it by about an inch. And my, yeah, again, my dad wasn't a very happy man. So it's like, uh, he's going to have a big repair bill if that had actually hit the car, you know? So, so that, you basically that... graduated from destroying a toy to almost destroying the actual... Yeah, the actual DB5. Exactly. Well, we just lost the little man. He turned up about fifteen years later. We yeah. thought the dog had eaten him or something, but <laughs> he came. He came back. But that was like, did you, do you guys it. remember? So I just saw to DB. Do you remember the James Bond exhibition? It was about nineteen ninety eight. I went twice. Well, oh my god! I wish they. I wish that was, you know, just that regular thing. That was like the West End in Glasgow, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Uh, no, it was, was in it the West End. Uh, well, there, there was probably a couple. There was one, uh, I, my memory is it was on actually somewhere like Sucky Hall Street or something. But it, it was, yeah. It was one somewhere it was, it was like, yeah, I, I can't remember which museum or whatever it was, but um, I was taken a few times. My uncle took me. I always remember that. It was, it was right only at my height. for about, maybe a month. No, I know. Two months. My dad took me it's as well. It was great. I was That was right at my hype of getting into Bond right after Goldeneye. But uh, yeah, I'm, after that story, Gordon, I'm, oh, sorry, I'm, I'm scared yeah. that I had you in my car earlier and, you know, after this destruction. <laughs> what, are you going to eject me? Yeah, well, I went out for a cigarette a bit earlier on in those, just a crater, Steve, mm. where your car used to be. And then so. the, the brilliant old transport museum in Glasgow, they had a DB4, an Aston Martin DB4, which was almost like the DB5 and every time we visited there which was about every two weeks with my grandpa it was just this great sense of anticipation mm. it was silver as well yeah. you know yeah alright then what should we tackle first in this film we've obviously you know covered or we really loved this film there's lots of things um, to, to like about it we'll start with that then the confidence this film had you know for me it was things like the style of the shots, cinematography was had improved. The pacing you'd mentioned, Steve, of sort of the action sequences were yes. great. Um, there some was the, more action as well. Some of the editing still a little bit. Oh yeah, me. yeah. But it's it's definitely yeah. it's a massive improvement on Doctor Who. And this is over. This is it's only a space of two years. Yeah, from nineteen sixty two to sixty four. So talking. they've obviously looked and gone right. We can. And we that, can tighten up these little bits. And that's the difference a director can make. This is obviously yeah. Guy Hamilton's first uh, directorial James mm-hmm. Bond film, and that just shows you what you inject a, a, a sort of fresh pair of eyes into the into the director's seat, and you can kind of mix things up. Mm-hmm. As well as yeah. the fact the budget increased, I'm, I'm guessing we've not I've not got the, the exact figures, but it was at least was it doubled over from Russia with Love, or at least another million well, on top. I mean, I made, I made a mistake in the, the Doctor No podcast, excuse me, I said a million pounds, a million dollars, and for this it was three million dollars, right. so it was like triple that of Doctor No. Mm-hmm. I yeah. suppose they must have been shaving off profits from the last movies and realising that they were making a lot of money, like thinking, ah, uh, yeah, we can yeah. put more into this. 
Well, from Russia with Love was a massive success from him. From uh, um, so and this uh, again on top of that, I don't know the exact, the exact box office figures, but I know this was massive on top yeah. of that. So you know you could see where it was going and and things like the opening theme. I know we covered a lot of this stuff in our special kind of bonus yeah. podcast. I mean, story, we, we really you have, to, um, you have to cover that that Shirley Bassey theme song it is you just get shivers I can I, I, I wish I was back in 1964 watching yeah. that at the cinema and just seeing and mm. hearing that because that song just the minute the instant it hits you the yeah. brass in it yeah. mm. and Shirley Bassey's voice I mean <clears throat> the lyrics are a bit literal <laughs> he's the man of gold he loves gold you like his gold, gold, his gold. Yeah. it's almost like yeah. the, the silliness of Bond meshed with the style this is all coming yeah. together that was the first so. draft of the script actually yeah. I've always sensed like even as a kid touching in that that um, Bond is sort of like secondary in this film the, the, the villain is sort of the main centrepiece of the film and That's Bond you, you feel like he's just under pressure throughout the whole film I even feel like seeing the, the, like, the latter have to or maybe more more or less the latter third he, there's a bit he even comes across a bit inept because he, he gets captured about two or three times and um, to actually kind of stop Goldfinger's plan from coming to fruition in the end it's not it's not even him that stops the bomb going off it's the guy mm-hmm. from the CIA that, that rocks up and just um, presses the switch Bond doesn't know which wire to pull I always find it's funny. He says, um, 007, uh, you know, that was seven seconds left. And he says, three more ticks and Mr. Goldfinger would have hit the jackpot. But it wasn't three ticks, it was seven ticks. Yeah, I, I thought I'd missed something there. It was like, was the bomb going to go off at four seconds left or something? Well, maybe, I don't, maybe it was just the stress of the moment. Or maybe, maybe it was yeah. just something they lost when they were making the film. But the thing is, I reckon that Bond accidentally saved the day, really, by coercing pussy galore to alert the CIA or FBI yeah. whoever they were so and, and the thing is as well I mean Goldfinger survived that Goldfinger only got killed in the end you know Bond didn't know he was on the plane at the end do you know what I mean it just so happened and Goldfinger was going to capture Bond again and carry on with his schemes so Bond was kind of like he didn't as as was said he didn't really seem to have a, a plan and he even said to M at the start I would get on with it if I knew what was going on or whatever. It seems like he was kind of clueless a lot of the time in this film. Yeah. But I think it was a it was a study on how Bond reacts to immediate danger and immediate changes in circumstances. Because it was actually... Think, yeah. Sorry, but sorry to, to keep, I just wanted to make one more point to oh, close yeah. that off. Is that Pussy Galore says to him, you like a close shave, don't you? And I think that was a reference to that. Mm-hmm. That that that's the part of his character we're seeing in this movie. Yeah, it was taking it right to the edge of it. Uh-huh. Yeah, every yeah. time. Yep, and also then gives a bit more sort of it makes the villain more a bit more of a threat when mm-hmm. they can constantly under like kind of undermine Bond and put him in these positions. He kind of it then increases the sort of significance of the villain. Like you just touched on it as well, Gordon. How this film does, yeah. It does put more emphasis on Goldfinger as as much as it Bond. In fact. I, I mean, the song's all about him. Yeah. Whereas you know, certain the lyrics in certain Bond songs, which we did our podcast about uh, recently, a lot of the, the lyrics are about Bond. I mean, this is all about Goldfinger. And um, did you know that Gert Frobe, the German actor who played, I, I, I sorry, I touched on this in the first pos- podcast we did. 
he he was um, dubbed throughout the films. It's not actually his voice, but it's not immediately obvious. It's the dubbing those days was well done. There's other elements of dubbing in that film. I like actually keep forgetting that it was dubbed. You cannot tell. That's incredible. That fact yeah. blows my mind. That's incredible. Yeah, that. I mean, to be honest, I've seen a lot of films around that time. The dubbing was terrible. So I almost, I don't know if I completely agree that. Um, Do we know why they dubbed him? Was his voice just not? filmic enough was it not what they wanted I think he had too much of a thick German accent and he, he just he didn't speak good English he learned how to say certain words but yeah and apparently we, uh, the sort of films that he was in he he, he played generally more light hearted guys there's a, although it's quite in, in many ways it's quite a um, light hearted Bond film but there's certain elements of darkness like when um, when Bond goes back into the hotel room and Jill Masterson is lying in the bed co- covered in gold paint. You know, imagine, you know, killing someone and, and painting them gold and, like, they die of skin suffocation. That's quite dark, I think. Well, in fact, how did it even happen? Because that, that confused me. There was a part where they did say, as you mentioned, Gordon, she died of skin suffocation, right? So what did they do? Did they paint her with gold and then tie her up? Like, That's a good did, question. How did it they happen? dipped her in paint, but, yeah, they'd... Like I think we mentioned, they'd have to have painted her full body, head to toe, no gaps. Without any hair being painted. Left her to dry because there was no paint on the bed. And she also, no ha- she also had makeup on still, like eyeliner and stuff. So they dip-dyed her, left her to dry, put her face back on, and then lay her on the bed. Uh-huh. Yeah, because he was just not. And out, she just you know? died. She <laughs> didn't go anywhere. But in fairness, we know now how elaborate Goldfinger is. I was about to say, yes, so the word elaborate keeps coming back. It up. Does it, I wouldn't put it past him. If he's going to do something, he does it. I mean, look, let's talk about. Well, that being said, what they could have done is they could have they could have um, given her a, an agent, some sort of thing to make her unconscious, and then painted her, and then left her there. Well, that's why I, I assumed that I thought she'd been made unconscious or whatever, put out for some reason, and then they've done done that. But uh, yeah, let's uh, let's now. I feel like this is a good time to talk about that the 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 scene where he unveils his plan to oh, these kind of yeah. gum, uh, gangster type businessmen. The most gangstery gangster. Oh, I loved it. I was <laughs> getting, as a guy oh, who man. loves these gangster. I films, want my money. I was I was gonna kick out of that some of the dialogue. Got a key or something? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I made the delivery. Where's my money? It was like all the sound base. What are you like trying to pull, Goldfinger? That's what that trick pull table. <laughs> That's the one. <laughs> you know how the guards in Goldeneye when they say things. Oh, sorry, perfect. That when they say things like she's here. She's coming. Yeah, like yeah, that was like yeah. all the sound bites of what you would expect gangsters to say. It was, it was great. It was fantastic. Yeah. But that scene was evolved around Goldfinger unveiling his inc- elaborate again is the word we have to use for this plan, and and essentially the whole scene was pointless <laughs> when you actually think about well, it. There was a point to massage Goldfinger's ego. Yeah. And that was it. Yeah. Yeah. So let's, let's like, so what he has uh, a room that has all these different sort of like compartments that open up and, and <laughs> unveils different sections. With a one time only use. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, so yeah, the, it was a room, a basic sort of open plan room with a pool table. The pool table turns into a command console. Buttons on the command console 
shut the shutters on the windows yeah. for some reason so that nobody can look in to see his secret plan. The floor <laughs> flips 180. No, but they pull a giant picture up of Fort Knoxville from the wall. Well, that's the point. There's a, there's a, there's a map. It prints uh-huh. a map on the wall. That's so right. Th- there's not just a blueprint or something. There's this scale model. And fuck me, that's the most detailed model <laughs> I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, but the thing is, it comes out of a basement that is another floor under the building. So they had to plan this meeting <laughs> when they constructed the building. Like proper like metal suspender <laughs> things to like lift yeah. this thing right. up. Do you bring in architects and sort of miniature model makers? I need I need a, a miniature model of Fort Knox that comes out of my floor. Now, what Why? kind of security? Uh, right? Doesn't matter. Think I about it, right? It. I love what it. if one of these suppliers or contractors, the Goldfinger, Goldfinger killed them all? Did he kill all of them? Because they were saying, look at this weird guy, right? He's constructing a building just to make a room to have a meeting about Fort Knox. What could that be about? Does see, you know, yeah. dip dyed him in gold. What film was it? Was yeah. it from Russia or Doctor No with the three blind men crossing? Yeah, the whole island. Right. That now, was Doctor No. Yes. That, so that was Doctor. We thought that was insane, right? Now that that is nothing in comparison to this and the sort of length. True of dedication. Yeah. 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 But that's the thing. I mean, Goldfinger. Basically, what he must have done was even right. This is a bit that gets a little bit crazy in terms of theorizing about a movie, right? Think about this. Goldfinger must have planned this out before he even met any of the gangsters. He probably had to get planning permission. Yeah. <laughs> How long <laughs> ago? Council official turns up. Well, he did say that uh, the plan for 50 years. So. All of this, this building, all of this, the, the all of the gadgets, everything was constructed simply so that Goldfinger could hold a meeting with people for a plan that wasn't actually going to take place and for people who were going to die. Right yeah, after so that, it. that was where I was coming to with the whole thing. Not only did the people pointless. who didn't want to do it die. The yep. people who did. So Goldfinger will uh, tell the, the scene. The scene essentially is Goldfinger telling the entire crazy plan to these gangsters with them having the choice to take either the money that they're owed, what was it, one billion? One million? Million. One yeah. million. One million. That yeah. day or leave uh, and have and tri- ten times, was it ten billion? Ten, ten, million, billion. ten million tomorrow, yeah. Ten million tomorrow and most of them take it, one doesn't. Which, when they leave the room, the guy... Uh, who takes the money the rest are then summarily killed and the guy but everybody's killed they're gassed or whatever uh, so the, the ones that want to take part in Goldfinger's plan are, are gassed and the one who doesn't want to take part in his plan is crushed into a cube he's in yeah, a killed by odd job and then yeah. crushed in a cube again the ruthlessness so is just why didn't, why didn't Goldfinger just have them all killed <laughs> I know. Yeah. but yeah. this is the thing we, we're going to start finding with this film and everything from this point onwards the, the lavishness of, of Bond villains and their organisations you know, nothing's done in half measures. It's, 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 it's like how, you know... Aye, but this is a whole different level here. We're talking about someone... Imagine I've said, I've got a meeting at 10 o'clock, um, four guys coming to this meeting. Um, I've built the building three years ago. Um, do you know what I mean? And, 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 yeah, and you come into yeah, the meeting could, and yeah. I'm pressing buttons and there's things coming out of the roof and things coming out of the yeah, floor. Yeah, we could have met in the McDonald's, but instead I've built a sort of my own version of McDonald's <laughs> and we're going to meet film. for that in there. And then but that's the, it. And then afterwards... Time, Afterwards, we destroy the building and, and execute everyone who was there. Yeah. All right. Well, we're obviously conscious of time because we don't, don't have a lot of time. I know. I, I love this, but that bit of the film, though. You're just going to have your dad wait for you then. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I love it. It's it's insane. And um, it, it does put the others, it, they pale in comparison now to the... the it does. It's, yeah. it's gone from danger wheel to villain yards <laughs> yes. with guns and judo to this. I, I can't wait to see what's next. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, 
let's quickly touch on where the film has dated, right? So <laughs> we've covered a lot of things that we love about it and the craziness of it, and, and in most ways we can love that. It's it's absolutely insane that stuff, but it's still we love it. I feel like but, we should we should preface this by saying that us pointing this out isn't a criticism of the film as it was made because they couldn't have done any different at the time. Mm-hmm. It's just acknowledging the fact it's, that yeah. we would not, yeah, or maybe do not feel comfortable with some of that now. Yeah, yes. So the first scene is essentially, I suppose, it's probably. I mean, it's mostly all the scenes with women, isn't it? Pretty much, and it's kind of a shame because we obviously we we touched a lot on Doctor No, the last film. I think we all felt that it had improved quite a lot. There was perhaps a scene or two that felt a bit uncomfortable, but for the most part, it got better. Yeah. And then this one, I mean, right at the very start, yeah. when uh, Felix Leiter first turns up and Bond is being massaged, and he turns to the woman, he, he's obviously trying to get rid of her, and says this, this is man talk, yeah. and then smacks her on the ass, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. and then walks away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, she walks off, and you kind of... that. I think we all kind of went, ooh, yeah. right, you, you, you can't do that. <laughs> Smack her on the bum and walk off. Well, that was very 1960s. Was that yeah, before or after was. the scene where he used, he shoves the woman out of the way when he sees in, the, in the, her eye uh, that the guy's behind? Obviously, I think she's plotting but against again, him, so that was... I don't know. I don't, I'm not sure, right? I think, I think slapping a woman on the arse and saying it's man talk, right, or not listening to a woman when she says no... Right, is intrinsically different to. Well, yeah, we'll touch on that because we can't just like, uh, yeah, casually mention. We're going to go into that. But mm-hmm. what, what I'm saying is, sexism to me is treating women like they're inferior to men, or not capable, or stupid, or whatever. Right. Now, that doesn't. I'm not saying that you should go around attacking people, but I don't think that it is intrinsically wrong in certain circumstances to use physical defence against people if you have to or if you feel it's appropriate in the time. But now, I guess he didn't. No, yeah, he didn't. Well, didn't he just turn her around and she got whacked by the guy that was assassinating him? Trying to assassinate Which him in the hotel room? Which one are we talking about here? the very start when um, he sees her in her in the hotel eye. Room. It's a great shot, the, the uh-huh. scene. Um, and again, that's just, that's all the bond from the books has his wits mm-hmm. about him. Yeah. So, like, it's in, the, in, in her eye he sees the guy right. behind. I, I, I think, I think we just have to just, just define the distinction between chivalry and sexism because there is a distinction between those two things. Do you know what I mean? Well, she she was trying to get him killed. He yeah, so, her which is therefore for him, he what, he, yeah, what he didn't, what he did do is nothing wrong with that. I suppose the only thing you could say is most women now, obviously, pussy glow might you could say is different, but most women so far represented in Bond have been either the two types, the, the stereotypes in Bond, uh-huh. either the helpless girl that gets kid, kidnapped, he has to look after, yeah. that sort of shrieks a lot, or the sort of the one that's plotting against him and is evil and, and there's just nothing, there's no other dimensions at yeah, all. Weirdly enough, <clears throat> actually, you've, you've come up with a, an interesting correlation there, right? Generally speaking, the competent women are the evil ones. <laughs> oh, think about that, right? Mm-hmm. Generally, women that can fly a plane or fire a gun or know what's going on in the plan or whatever tend to be evil. That's, that's obviously... Except yeah. in this film where it's uh-huh. kind of turned one yeah. So it's, gone, it's actually... Yeah, it's gone a bit better, yeah. I suppose. Yeah. But then again, moving on to that other scene you were you were going to see. Yeah, let's talk about the one that we... Shall we, we the, yeah, yeah, this scene, the one in the... In the barn. In the stud farm, yes, yeah. in the in the uh, stable. Stable, after. yeah. So, yeah. We, right, so <laughs> to set the scene, the two of them, Bond has somehow coerced Pussy Galore into this stable. She's kind of walking him around the stud farm, which is Goldfinger's lair, if you like. 
And if only you could see the actions when he's talking. It's really good. It's like Goldfinger's lair. I like it. Yeah, I like it. I, I, I do. I talk I like with it. my hands. Oh, that's keep it going, keep going. That's why I'm saying I wish you could see it. Exactly. So they they walk in. They're obviously there's it's it's slightly flirtatious, but at the end of the day, they're kind of fighting each other. They're they're doing sort of judo moves on each other. They keep knocking each other down, and then Bond, as you imagine in these films, ends up on top of Pussy Galore. <laughs> Yeah. Pushing himself downwards towards her, and she's resistant for about ninety five percent, and then goes, "All right, go on then." Yeah, and it feel it felt probably most uncomfortable. I felt watching any Bond film mm-hmm. yet. Yeah, and the that, specials they had that they tried to give the 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 music make it sound kind of romantic, and it's yeah. rape, yes. isn't it? If it, it's, it, it was, it was undoubtedly rape let's not beat about the bush I mean you could just change a couple of things there and use that in one of those sort of like anti-rape like I don't know whatever you call it the campaigns those government campaigns all these government campaigns yes. to show like how not to treat you know and that all you have to do is change something like the yeah. sound I, I agree with you Steve uh, what I have to say though is I have a slight there's a slight and like nuance to my disagreement with you on, on it right and that I was uncomfortable from the start because she was trying to get away Three or four times, yes, he was pulling her back right. in, right? Now at that point, I was, I was, I think I said something like, "Oh, this is getting a bit weird here, mm, right?" We could all see where this but was then going. They had the fight bit, which did did seem flirty, right? When they were throwing each other around, because sometimes folk do get chemistry and they, it comes out in aggression and in a sort of lighter way occasionally, right? There's a chemistry there, and people argue, don't they? When they sometimes people who argue, you can tell they're actually attracted to each other. But then when he was pushing himself down, right, and that that scene was happening, it's like, oh no, oh no. Now that scene could have gone one of two ways. Bond got lucky, okay, because she was actually resisting him as a a ruse to her. The fact that she was attracted to him, as we know from the film, because you could tell. But for all Bond knew, she could have screamed and been. Incredibly, like, just gone off the edge of saying, "Get off me!" Do you know what I mean? Well, that's kind of where the problem is because it was. But that... he shouldn't have got taken it that far. I think. Yeah, but, but the, the thing is, this that... is something the writers have created. This yeah. is seen the right. Oh, well, not the writers. They, uh-huh, the that's book. it. That's the thing. They think that this is normal behavior. That's the weird thing. It about was it. set up as romantic, uh-huh. and the problem is that it's it's the pivotal moment. That's the moment where Pussy Galore almost turns double agents. And it's from that point onwards that she turns against Goldfinger uh-huh. and effectively saves Bond. She saves almost, the day. But that's actually insulting in itself, in the fact that Bond says um, later on, he says something like, Oh, I must have. Oh, someone asks, Why did Pussy Glow change or change her side or whatever? And, and Bond says, Oh, I must have appealed to her maternal instincts. Yes. And it's like, Hang on a minute. Line. So, hang on a minute. The whole world's economy has been saved by a woman who made a, a moral choice. Yeah. Okay. But everybody thinks that it was because he shagged her and she became maternal over him. Now, that's not really very. I don't know. It's like it's not a very high opinion of the character, is it? Because the writer had to put that down on the page. I mean that that is someone constructed that idea. Well, is that do you know if that do you remember if that was a line from the book or is that the script? Do that that particular part, I'm I'm not I'm not sure. Um, I don't think it. She has a lot of screen time in the film. I don't think she's much, well, not screen time, but like book time or whatever you want to call it. Mm. And um, there's a lot made of the fact that she's meant to be a lesbian in the book. And I think it's I think it's hinted that she is in the film. Remember, she says to him, you can turn off the charm. I'm immune when they're in the plane. And uh, I don't know if it's meant to be that he kind of 
turns or oh sexuality. Hang on, that's even worse. I, I never what? read that into it. That's how either I don't know if I'm naive. I don't th- no, it's because none that. of us would even think yeah, it was yeah. possible. Exactly. That I'm being said, there are, I mean, there's a spectrum to people's attractive whatever attractions and things like that. And some people are bisexual, and some people, you know, I've known people who were lesbian who then dated men and whatever. But it doesn't tend to be something that you can force someone into doing. You know, what I mean, you can't like grab them and pull them into a barn and be like, "I'm going to wear you down." Until you like cop, it doesn't work that, like that. Do you know what I mean? It, <laughs> does it? No, yeah, it's, you're right. Yeah, it was uncomfortable. You know, it was a, it was a, it was a scene that did pull you out, and it was kind of like, oh, oh dear. Yeah. That being that said, age well, what do we, what do we do with this? So basically, the whole reason that the world's economy was saved is because Bond didn't behave right. No, that's, I that, mean that, that's essentially though she saves the day and, and because him, so yeah, that's, yeah, I guess it's like, like but, from but, a plot point of view, you can say that. But in the end, it's more about the imagery that's been shown that is what mm. is the issue. That's just it's a man more or less forcing himself on a woman who was rejecting him multiple times, and it's sort of trivialized and made to look like, "Hey, look, that's nice, yeah. romantic. He's cool. Actually, what's He's getting the case. And it's just that sort of like the confidence the film has in showing you that, and and is is now. What do you know? What's really disturbing what's, about what's worrying it, is that that's probably a watered down version of what was really going on at the time. Because what was on the screen probably was I mean, no, softened. I, it's, well, I don't know. Do what, you know what I mean? What is, we, we know now that there were there have been elements of that going on in Hollywood in general for decades. Yes, which that is, is true. Mm-hmm. Probably what actually maybe makes it kind of because it's like you're just watching what was going on. Yeah, that could have been happening on that set. That could yeah. be happening on any set up until I'm talking about in the whole world at the time. Yeah, yeah, sixties. Yeah. It's obviously not even Hollywood. It's, it's I mean, there were yeah. men and women going to watch that in the cinema, and they would have felt that was normal. Yeah, so that that's more or less where the film dates. Um, I can't think of many other examples. There was the mandatory scene with Money uh, Money Penny, which is I suppose where you know we think, Steve you covered yeah. it before. You know, he's doing all of that with all these women across the world, but he's always got his little kind of things slightly at- creepy now scene with Money Penny. You know, yeah. You, by this point, you're thinking, what is it? She she must know why is she clinging on for him. It's it's like it's. <laughs> I mean, he's yeah. playing her in his desperate hope, and, and the boss even knows. Now, surely the boss, like in any modern company or well, that's, organization, that's would be like, there's a phone call to yeah. Sean messing with yeah. But is that part of because he knows that Bond's the best and he can get away with things? You know, there's always somebody in, in some workplace that gets away with everything. I know, but that's the root of the problem, Gordon. Yeah, yeah so that's, that, that doesn't <laughs> yeah. really make it better. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. this is, us, this is the, the 2019 view on... This is why it still carries on today. Yeah. because in every organisation, in every country around the world right now, there is someone who's a little bit too powerful, a little bit too competent at what they do, and they mm. get away with it. And what we find is as well, Bond kind of made a bit of a mess in Miami. Like, he basically was meant to observe Goldfinger, and he caused the death of... A young women you could tell M's quite annoyed by that and he says if you can't carry this a sign out the way you're supposed to double weight it'll replace you I love the way um, it, it mentions double weight a few times and you, and you think yeah, I'd love to see what double weight looked like and how this he is, compared to this is what I, I actually had the similar thought watching the film it never really there's only the odd fleeting mention usually of the du- other double O agents and we obviously know when gold and I double six yes. to me yeah. I would have loved another film with one of the other well you do see double O nine in Octopussy mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Very but I, I, I feel like I'd love to see you know is there a Christmas dinner where all the double O agents get to meet up <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah because the like British government <laughs> just imagine though the British government's going to say we'll put all our best assets in one place you know but I reckon what's probably the case is that they're all so good at their job that they literally cannot like they, they, they would never meet because yeah. they're so required yeah, yeah. that's that's really the, the answer isn't it I've, 
Yeah, I was just going to say it as well there. It's the first time we see the, the Q lab, the, you know, the Q branch lab, and all, all the usual, you were saying, watching the film, the explosives, you know, going off and yeah, all that. Like I the, love, there's a lot of subtle humour that apparently was Guy Hamilton, the director's decision to inject humour and a, a slight animosity between Bond and Q, this idea that Bond had total disregard for the expensive ah, so um, that's armory a, and so that's Guy Hamilton. So that, this is where it's interesting to find this stuff out because you wouldn't know if that's a that's come from the books or anything like that or if that's, you know, that's the, that's the director then that's exactly, yeah. That's interesting. Because that, that was Guy Hamilton that came up with that and that was a staple right up to the present day even with you know the the new Ben Wishaw cue you know the slight animosity between the two of them and there's even there's very I know we people will go on all the time about the quote I never joke about my work 007 but there's a lot of there's also a lot of great subtle humour in those scenes like Bond just saunters into the lab and just picks up a grenade from the table and looks at it and you can tell Q's really pissed off and then over when he's shown Bond round the car Bond says like um, ask him how much longer some Q says it, sh- it shouldn't take more than an hour and you just notice Bond kind of sighing as if oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. get on with it <laughs> yeah. right we don't have too much time on this is there anything else we want to bring up or a great scene that you loved or anything like that I think my favourite gadget so far has to be our first sight of Bond in the pre-title sequence of this film which is just simply he gets out of the water and he's wearing a hat <laughs> with a plastic duck on top yeah, yeah, to make yeah. it look as though he's a duck I just thought that's, yeah. that's, that's genius so I mean has to swim really precisely to keep that looking realistic oh absolutely yeah. imagine holding your head like that like Oh, and a level swimming ah, that, that does hurt actually even, even trying it it's one of the best Bond pre-title sequences for me as well yeah, I think I, so one other weakness I, I think with that you can maybe tell some of that was done in a studio where it, it was meant to be outdoors or looked indoors maybe. and there was a Fran you mentioned during the film about a back background projection especially in the Miami scenes as well I mean that for me like that's the only like and obviously the the scenes with Pussy Go in the barn, you know, that and the sort of the technological side, the only real weaknesses that really spring to mind for me, you know, and, uh, you know, we have been given this film lavish praise from the very start of these podcasts, and, you know, we we are gushing about the theme song, obviously, in our, our music podcast, but, yeah. It's, yeah, there's so much that, that I, like, I loved about it, Um the, yeah, like I talked earlier about the the sort of the shots and stuff. I think some of it was really evident from like the golf scenes. I thought just the just the cinematography, like the actual, yeah. the, and it, it helped that we were watching on my uh, newly purchased Blu-rays. Oh the, yeah, the first, and this was the, after all the years I've been seeing the Bond films. This is the first time seeing one Blu-ray. I was like, whoa, Blu-ray! This is so cool. Oh, and just the detail we pick up like the tax disc. Dates and cars and all that <laughs> stuff. <laughs> Only you would have picked that up. Yeah, so excited. I've never seen that level of excitement on I you and attachment. I, 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 yeah, I think that's the first Incredible. in history. But uh, there's somewhere, <laughs> someone in the prop department is uh, really happy that you've made that observation, I think. <laughs> uh, looking down from heaven. I mean, what age would they be now? Yeah. I'm, I'm just looking at my, some of my notes here. Um, some of it is, is, is mad. We've got this statue park music was uh, something we noticed uh, this is just the music that was used as kind of like I, th- I suppose it was kind of when something was a bit off maybe when he's maybe been watched or kind of whatever but it was rev- very reminiscent of the music we now know from the GoldenEye game that obviously the I think the composer must have looked at Goldfinger and decided that's the yeah. music I like I figured out it was Skyfall that music was in oh. as well oh, because right, it's okay. the bits where like M is there and it kind of goes dun dun mm. 
it's extremely similar. We'll probably watch all of them and yeah. find it. Oh god, it was in that. Yeah, well. there, yeah, we'll yeah. spot bits. Yeah. I've also got written down here. Judo Pussy. Judo uh, Pussy. Yeah. It's a new position <laughs> we haven't tried before. I think it was uh, the scene when Pussy uses judo and Bond remarks that he was so he was so surprised that she knew who taught you judo pussy. I know. Um which is again it's a wee bit of a harken back to the sort of stuff we were talking about earlier. I don't want to bring it all back up again, but um I don't think he would have said that to odd job. And don't we we need to give an honourable mention to Odd Job. He was the first. I think obviously Robert Shawsville and Red Grant was the was a brilliant silent assassin, but um, Odd Job was the first kind of um, real physical a guy with you know first of all like a certain sort of weapon, a a very unusual characteristic, the steel rimmed hat, which went like whoosh every time he threw it. Which again, you know, add add special sound effects for the drama. Which is great, um, but yeah, just so you know this, and the, kind of the first kind of superhuman um, henchman. So I mean, Red Graham is more just like a professional killer, but Odd Job was the first like superhuman henchman, and he was practically silent. Just every so often he'd go ah ah like that, but you know, he, apart from that, he was silent. Yeah, Fran, you've got um, only a couple of minutes left, so what we're going to do is just quickly give you a chance to summarize your thoughts on it, and then once you leave, we'll um, we'll probably spend another. Five ten minutes on it, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, Fran, you want to just quickly summarise your feelings as well as give your rating for Goldfinger? Yep, I'd say it was a, uh, um, it, it was almost the the genesis of the the genesis of the Bond movie uh, in its current form, um, and I'd say apart from some predictable flaws that ca- cannot be avoided from films from that time. Um, I, I thought it was an improvement on the last two. I think I've given them three out of five, haven't I? Yeah, so I'm yeah. going to go up to a four for this one. Four out of five stars because it's not a perfect Bond film, but, you know, for the third film in, it's a damn good job, really, I think. And I enjoyed it a lot. I, I, in fact, I felt a bit more excited. You maybe noticed this when we were watching it. I was talking a lot more about the film. It was more. I was more it was a more exciting movie to yep. watch. Yeah. Okay, four stars from Fran. Um, if that's you, if you, you've got to go, yeah, I'm just worried my dad's going to phone me on this phone oh, while it's recording. So yeah. I'm going to stop the recording on my phone, and Steve's going to continue. We should be able to. Yeah, we can sync it all up actually. Will that still work? I just realised that. Uh, yes, it will, because that will just yeah. stop, and this will right. carry on. So okay. stop at this moment now. Now continuing. So Fran has left us. Yep, Fran has left. It's just the three of us now. Um, just a few more kind of things we want to cover. Is there anything, first of all, that you guys have got that you want to, to break up? I think the one scene we haven't mentioned, which has to be paid tribute to, is the one I have in my notes as laser balls. Yeah. Which is the 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 famous scene. That was why been... I didn't want to end when Fran leaves, because I thought we have not even discussed that yet. No, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And what, I mean, it's it's iconic. It's been... Used by everyone for it's, it's been in The Simpsons. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. been it's the scene where Bond is tied down to a table, and there's a laser that starts very very slowly at one end of the table and works its way up towards his open legs. You yeah. can see where this is going. Yeah, you can yeah. tell he's absolutely bricking in that scene. Bond Bond's a guy who doesn't tend to show fear really. Mm-hmm. You can tell he's. Yeah, like, again, Connery in this, this is where I feel Connery really was, it was again great in this film. I think that was, you know, he goes from all the charm from previous stuff, he's, 
you know, his debonair confidence and stuff to that sort of scene where you could sense real, it was real panicking and it was great. It was, you could be bought into the scene. When it comes to your manhood, you know, that's, that's when the thing would all be a bit worried. You and know? you know, watching the scene, you know it. He's going to get out of the scenario. You know that. Of but course. still, the way it's shot, the, the, the expression of his face, the sweat and things like that, you just, you can still feel that tension. You feel that um, panic. And that's why I think it's such a yeah. great scene. The dialogue, of course, the script is is fantastic. Do you expect me to talk? And I mean, again, this is where I ask, is that in the book? Um, I don't think so. It's a good while since I read it. But I don't think so, no, because they definitely... The, don't think the laser scene was Because, I mean, that's an iconic di- uh, exchange. Isn't it? Man. No, Mr. Bond, I expect you to die. It's, a, it's yeah. fantastic. Uh, yeah, I loved that scene. It was great watching that. In Absolutely. There was maybe um, one of the real strengths of this film was the dialogue and, you know, tighter dialogue in a lot of ways, uh, which you wouldn't get in that obviously there was a lot more kind of waffling in the book. And that's the difference between, there's, we always talk about the differences between Bond for the reader and Bond in the cinema screen. Mm. And that's why I think they brought that extra flamboyance yeah. with a, a director like Guy Hamilton. And yeah, the dialogue's a really strong point. Some of the dialogue from Goldfinger as well, the exchanges between Bond and M, Bond and Q, you know. Yeah, I, I loved it. It was uh, it was fantastic. One of probably, it's, I mean, it's iconic. You've seen it before, but it is probably one of my favourite scenes still. It was just, as when I think it was Fran was talking at the time, I was like, no, I, I want to to hear this exchange, you know, like that's the sort of, the feeling that scene, you need that sort of thing. Yes. Um, I'm just checking my notes. Anything, you, Gordon, you've got on this or anything you want to talk about? Well, it's interesting how, first of all, you wonder if, you know when Bond encounters M in the golf court, no, when Bond encounters M, he doesn't encounter M, when Bond um, encounters Goldfinger on the golf course, like he pretends, it's quite clever, he pretends that he's just bumped into him, but he's obviously arranged it. You wonder um, if Goldfinger's like clocked that the same guy kind of talking to him through the microphone in Miami, you sense that he was. Um, that that kind of that's something you can maybe scratch your head about and think about at the end of the movie. And it's, I think the whole golf scene's very good. It's again that's a characteristic of some of the sort of Bond supervillains that they they ha- they have despite all the money they've got, they just have to cheat at games. And Bond, you know, he could easily just say, "Hang on, you're cheating," but he doesn't. He he plays in his own game and he sw- he, he hides Goldfinger's own balls to see if he cheats or not. And then right at the end, he says. Oh, strict rules of golf, so you've lost the game, you know. Yeah, I love and, that. Uh, yeah, and Bond, of course, is doing a recreational activity with a villain. It's like how in Buta Kill, he goes and riding the, under the horse with Zorin, or for example, Moonraker, when he does the clay pigeon sh- shooting, you know. So that, again, like we touched on earlier, there's the establishment of uh, a lot of the, the villainous traits, you know. I think, from what I remember, at the end of that golf game, Goldfinger says to Bond, you've scuffered my plans twice now. And that kind of suggests that he does recognise Bond as the voice from the hotel yeah. in Miami from the first time round. So I, I, that was that was my take on it. Yeah, it didn't actually clarify, but I mean that was uh, you have to assume was what he meant. I take it was that. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's meant to keep you guessing. Yeah. Does he? Does he recognize? Do you think he recognizes him from Miami? He just have not swatted like a fly, you know. And that's the thing. Um, another characteristic of the Bond villains, you could you, know, you could say it was the same with Doctor No in the very first one we did. The the main villain. He toys with Bond. He, he could easily just have him shot or, um, you know, killed in his sleep or something. But no, he, first of all, he puts him in a private plane, lets him flirt with, you know, his staff. 
he then allows um, well, he, he puts them in a yeah, cell for a while cool, he lets Bond watch his whole Operation Grand Slam mm-hmm. you know getting prepared and then he finally throws him into the room where the bomb's going off. And of course, Bond, Bond, um, averts the plan. And that's what always happens. These, these villains, they, why, why do you toy with them? You should just oh, go on before yeah, you ruin the plan. Trope, you know? Like Austin Powers did that gag where, um, Scott Evil, his son is just saying, no, look, let's just get him in a room and shoot him right now, like father and son. He's like, no, no, you don't get it, Scott. Yeah. And he's like, yeah. I'm going to put him in this room and, and then he'll escape and he'll escape. Here are all my plans. And I mean, that is, that is, that's straight from this film, I suppose, in most other Bond films. That's the exact role. Oh, yeah. It? I mean, Goldmember is a complete sort of carbon piss take of Goldfinger. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, that, that, that Bond in this film is able to escape, and at the right point, here's the entire plan that Goldfinger's laid out from, from that meeting with the gangsters. From underneath the elaborate you know, model, yes. Yeah, so it all yeah. worked out really perfectly for it. But of course, that wouldn't be a Bond film in, in that instance, I suppose, if it, if it didn't do that. There's a couple of things I've written down here in my notes that I'm checking. We've got, um, we've got, uh, the woman with the machine gun. <laughs> I was just, oh, the old woman! Yeah, the old that woman was that. Yeah. She was phenomenal. Where yeah. did she come from? I know. It's yeah. Just like I, I had to write that down. Just the random woman, the old woman with the machine gun. I love that. Yes, um, yeah. It's one of these things you maybe could have just uh, taken out. It didn't add much to the plot, but it was curious. Wasn't yeah, it? it was again an example of the sort of this slightly slightly campier humour that this, these films are starting to bring in um, sort of slightly surreal all that sort of stuff but nothing obviously where it goes with the, the Moore films but yeah you can see it kind of ebbing in where the first two really didn't have any any element of humour at all maybe the one wisecrack he would make in each film this film Bond yeah. makes at least three wisecracks you've got your shocking positively shocking you know all that sort of stuff yeah there's um, a lot more humour in this film isn't there and yeah even from some of the other characters as well there's a, there's a lot more humour in this film mm-hmm. yeah and that was setting the tone from the films from this point on yeah exactly and, and and it's not a bad thing it's like this film is, a, is more or less I would say a good mix tonally of the sort of, you still feel jeopardy for Bond like we spoke about with the scene with the, the laser but then you've got the, the, the humour yeah. to it's and the, the mixing one with the fast paced action scenes and, and things like that it's just a great Combination. This film, I think, gets yeah. it right. Yeah. Well, I would say it's a very fun one. Like you said, Steve was a great combination, and it's what it's one of the. It's fairly kind of easy watching too. If there's some, if there's somebody you're introducing to Bond films mm. for the first time, and um, that would maybe be one of the the first ones you would show them. You maybe show them this or Goldeneye or Spy Who Loved Me or something like that. Yeah. It's a it's a good kind of introduction to yeah. Bond. Yeah. Okay, I think we're kind of coming around to really we've more we're starting to already summarise our sort of thoughts on it. So we might as well uh, give up uh, give our ratings on this film. Uh, Gordon, we usually you usually are last to go. So this time you can. Uh, we've already had Fran's uh, rating. What's your mm-hmm. rating for this film? Yeah, well, now I don't want it to sound like I'm just going to keep praising every Bond film. So I know I gave Doctor No four, I gave From Russia with Love four, and I'm gonna I'm gonna heap a lot of praise in Goldfinger. But as but as I keep saying to you guys, that you will find in the next few films, I do I do I will get a bit critical. So don't think I'm just gonna be really super positive about every film. But Goldfinger for me is a stunning film on many levels. I think the dialogue's great. I think the music from John Barry is superb. It adds so much. It brings so much 
uh, drama to the films, especially to the film, the, the action sequences. I think the supporting cast and the villains are great. Our first kind of superhuman, um, almost silent henchman, and probably the first like proper stunning Bond girl as well, with Pussy Gore, in my opinion. And uh, oh, well, the that's, first that's controversial. <laughs> I'm not. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's just your know, sort of opinion, I suppose. But um, you know, the, the, and of course, the, the first sort of double entendre name, you know, as well. There's I suppose you're of, right. Actually, yeah, they, yeah, they didn't really have that before, did they? I can't remember. I don't, I don't think so, no, but no. Not, it's, not as uh, obvious as that one anyway. I think it's a clever plot, so it's it's this is where the plots maybe did start to get a little far fetched, but um like I said, the the, the Bond universe like a tree with many different branches. I think every so often you need to have a film like An Majesty's Secret Service or from Russia with Love, where it's a more of a league low key spy world plot, um which wouldn't come into the public domain, which this could actually happen. Goldfinger's more of a, a doomsday style plot. It's good to have one like that every so often. Yeah. I think that was what was necessary at the time to to get a new audience into Bond and, and of course that that was why, you know, this film's such a huge success. But I mean it was it is it um does it live up to the hype? You bet it lives up to the hype. It's I would give Goldfinger it's my give my first five out of five on the on the, the Bond Daft podcast. And I think Sean Connery again, I think he's I think he's at his peak round about Goldfinger Thunderball. And yep, I've seen it a lot. Again, maybe slight bias there. I think I first saw him was six years old, but um this is one of my go to Bond films. Yeah. yeah, well, I mean that's uh I can yeah, I more or less agree with most of what you've said. Steve, you're uh which what's your thoughts on this? Yeah, um, in short, I love that. I really did. It was I completely agree with Fran when he says this is almost the genesis of Bond. This is what you saw. I think the the directors and the makers realised they had a franchise on their hands. I thought, right, we can take this and go with it. This is where it all started. The title sequences and whatnot, <coughs> and excuse double me. entendre names, a wee bit more injection of humour and things. Yeah, it's, it was, the humour was very carry-on. I mm-hmm. mean, Bond going, something big's come up, yeah. um, is interrupted with a woman. Um, so it's it's all a bit silly, but it was, I'm going to, the last two, I've given three. The, um, yep, yeah, yeah, I've, been, I've been toying with this, do I go three and a half, do I go four? I'm going to go four. I'm going to give this one, I'm going to up my marks. This is, on the other two, it's brilliant. It's it's fun. It's still uncomfortable. We can't take away from those points that we those points that we did reference. But yeah, you know what? This is a this is a four out of five for me. So that is yep. that's where I'm sticking. Fair fair play. I have been trying to make up my mind on this. This has been a really difficult one for me because I completely agree on where it dates and it does lose marks to you know on that side of things i also feel that it is an improvement by far on those first two so therefore you would think i i think i'm leaning to a five because i feel that i had fun with this film and i just yeah i i thought where a five doesn't have to, it's not always a perfect film there is things within that range still but it's still got so much going for it that it still can get that five stars and i feel that's that's where it sits if you were to to look at it with a bit more granular detail about a low five um but it's still up there for me this is a film that that really took the bond franchise and, and just elevated it to the next level and and i think that's where you know that's why, and you you mentioned 
Gordon that Sean Connery. I think he wasn't. He was great in this film, and I yeah. think uh, I think that's what I liked about it as well. Because it's all it was. It was a film that you had a great Connery performance and a really memorable villain with great iconic sequences like yeah. the laser scene and the imagery of the painted woman as farcical as it is. Mm-hmm. And you know you could you could analyze that plot for days yeah. and just chop you know it's ridiculous, <laughs> it makes, yeah. but it's it's a film, it's entertainment. The film kind of knows that, and that's why I think it gets the, the the pass on that. Yeah, I don't want to make out as if it's a perfect film. I mean, slight weaknesses are you know there's some head scratching moments. Like, how does he have time to paint her gold <laughs> and for it to dry and everything? And for instance, you know. Yeah, it does drag a bit. Again, like I said, this with Doctor No, the latter third of the film, and Bond, you know, not really doing much of value, really, and relying on other people to to help him stop the the um, plan of Goldfingers. And obviously, the slight, the likes of, although it's 1960s limited technology, the, the scenes in Miami, the, the background projection is a bit too obvious. Hmm. But uh, so they, again, nitpicking a few. There is weaknesses, of course. But. I mean, that, it does tend to be that way. Yeah, I almost, I almost kind of shut those things out when it's clearly the the dating of the time. You know, that's just how it was. It's sort of like my mind can say, "Well, that's fine. It doesn't bother me too much." But it's more like this: the real more really creepy stuff that where I, I do have a bit of an issue with. But yeah, that's that's again, a, a, you know, a product of its time. But. Uh, yeah, so there we go. We've we've all went up one star on our. That's interesting. <laughs> on, I yeah. know we seem to be uh, running parallel with our scores. There's a the parallel next. like me and you, and then yeah, it's yeah, Fran. So yeah, it's it's it's. I mean, it makes it difficult because I I do I was honestly I was thinking it could it might be a four, but then is it in the same? I feel like it, it does deserve that extra star for bringing things up above the other two so that was why I went five but yeah I, mean, I think we've uh, we've we've really covered this film I've absolutely loved this now we're going to be you know next film start, we're going to get that booked Thunderball is that right? yeah uh, so we'll uh, we'll sort that out but uh, until that time thanks guys for coming over thank you for having us once again thanks again Steve alright to our next mission cheerio bye 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 bye